0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, close all the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked
0: off. That's picked off, and who else? Rondae Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one.
1: We don't even keep scope. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Close up with the That's on the side at the 30. Derek Brooks 30. Brooks to the 29. 20. He's Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Derrick. We're
0: going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And yeah, there are the cannons, guys. Fire them. Keep, keep on
1: firing them.
2: Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube today. For this week's game preview edition, I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Joining us today, very special guest on the show. Pleasure to have him help break down this game and preview some of the action we're going to see between these two NFC South. Should we say rivals? A lot of people say it's dramatic to say that there is a rivalry between these two teams, but they've been playing each other twice a year for a long time, and uh, usually it is a pretty good game. From the Falcoholic and the host of the Believe in Falcons podcast, joining us now is Will McFadden.
0: Will, how you doing, my friend? I'm um, doing well, guys. I consider this a rivalry. I mean, it's in true NFC South fashion. Most times these two teams play. It's ugly. It's, uh you know, pretty hard fought. So, yeah, it's absolutely a rivalry.
2: I think so. I mean, within the NFC South, anytime you play a team twice a year, you're going to see two different versions of that team. And and I think the fan base is going to obviously get that much more exposure to each other. Uh, you're yeah. going to show up in the Twitter mentions that much more throughout the season and uh, potentially even meet in the postseason, as we have seen some of these NFC South teams do these last couple of years. But headed into this game we were just talking before the show as well that you know while these teams do play a lot it doesn't seem like they play a lot where both rosters are almost fully healthy uh you know the official injury report has not dropped as of friday but for the falcons it sounds like there's going to be Next to no injury designations, according to Arthur Smith. And for the Bucks, they they have a pretty clean slate. There are some last-minute decisions, and uh, we'll find out about those later, later today. But it seems like everyone should be ready to go. And this is the closest to healthy they have been all season. So that's what I'm excited about is, is two teams coming into this thing at full strength.
0: Absolutely. I mean, especially week seven. That's really weird to have you know, two pretty healthy rosters going into a matchup and, and certainly a game where both teams are coming off of, you know, games that the Falcons felt like they should have won and that they let slip through their fingers. Tampa Bay, you know, the defense has been playing good all season. Special teams, I think, has been playing good all season. The offense really just couldn't get anything going and you felt like you missed some opportunities there. So it's a little bit of a get right week for both teams. And when a division game is on the line, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the cleanest game of football. I don't know if it's going to be the prettiest game of football, but I do expect it to be a very, very um, intense game of football. And I mean, what else could you ask for?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the Bucs obviously looking for a get right week. It's It's going to be a tough division opponent after an incredibly tough test last week against one of the best teams in the NFC in Detroit. Evan, go ahead.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and look, like Atlanta has improved a lot, but like like from this year uh to last year. I mean, you told to talk about the improvements they made on defense. Obviously adding Jesse Bates has been massive for them. Uh Calais Campbell who I believe was the only player on the Falcons injury uh the injury reports, uh, earlier in the week, obviously, um, was like, it sounds like it's going to be taken off. So yeah, nobody on the Falcons injury report, but, um, and then obviously Bijan John Robinson, which has just made a world of difference in that offense. Tyler w- was really good for them, but uh, I think you're seeing a lot of highlight tapes and stuff that show how much of an athlete and how special of a player Bijan John Robinson is. So there's a reason you draft that guy in the top 10. Uh, you draft him in the top 10 to change your offense. And I think that's what uh, Robinson so far has done now. Um, there's been inconsistencies, obviously with the quarterback situation, I I think for both teams, uh, you know, for the Falcons, I think you're, we're kind of hoping that Desmond Ritter, uh, would take a a Jalen Hurts type leap, uh, in year two. Hasn't quite happened yet. He's flashed a little bit for sure. Uh, but there's also been times where there's a little bit of head scratching stuff there. Uh, then Baker Mayfield also sort of has had, uh, flashes of brilliance, but at the same time. Uh, is coming off a a pretty disappointing uh, game against the Detroit Lions. So last time Baker Mayfield played a pretty poor game was against the Philadelphia Eagles. He responded to that by playing really well. I think his best game was a buck against the New Orleans Saints. So we'll see if he can uh, respond to that with the same way uh, against Atlanta this weekend.
2: Yeah, Baker Mayfield, very obviously, a lot of pressure on this one-year deal with Tampa Bay, trying to prove that he can be the guy, the quarterback of the future that the Bucks hopefully signed him to B. And we talked about this being a get right game for the Bucks and the Falcons, but not only both of those teams, Baker Mayfield as well. Evan, you talked about the shortcomings last week against the Lions and how he chooses to respond this week, how this Bucks offense chooses to respond. Well, while they aren't playing the Lions, they certainly have their hands full in what I think is an incredibly underrated secondary. For the Atlanta Falcons. You had already talked about the addition of Jeff Okuda at the cornerback position. AJ Terrell, a name that Bucks fans are already very familiar with. Jerry Flowers, uh, Trey Flowers still in that backfield. Jesse Plate's playing very good at the safety position so far this season. So, Will, when you look at this Falcons defense, not only do they come in healthy, but they come in with a bit of an underrated unit here. From top to bottom, what do you see as some of the strengths and maybe weaknesses on this on this Atlanta defense here?
0: Yeah, I like that you say underrated, and it's because they really haven't been flashy. The best way that I can, um, you know, make a comparison to the way I view this defense is it's like a pitcher who's always in a full count, right? But then delivers their best stuff on that three-two pitch, and they've been getting into a lot of third downs. The Falcons have, but they're one of the best third-down defenses in the league so far. So that was going to, in my mind, a big matchup or a big part of the matchup last week against Washington. And the Falcons held them to two of 10 on, on third down again. So it was just kind of the short fields last week, but this is a unit that is consistent. They're going to allow some, you know, if you can piece together a 12 play drive kind of down the field against them and, and find yourself in third and manageable and then convert, which has been the hard part. You can move the ball against this defense. It's just generally when that happens, they, they grind you down, they force you into quicksand and then they get off the field but I spoke to Grady Jarrett. They want to start getting more turnovers. They want to start getting more sacks. Some of these things that, you know, really help a defense get off the field. But it, it's been the veteran additions, as you mentioned. You know, Jesse Bates has been huge uh, early in the season, having three interceptions the first two games. Jeff Okuda, I think, has played maybe his best back-to-back games since he entered the league. And as the former uh, third overall pick, that's, that's huge. If Atlanta can get him playing to that level, then across May J Terrell with Jesse Bates back there, Richie Grant in, uh, in his third year. And then D Alford, who is kind of uh, the underrated guy in this underrated defense. He is playing lights out in the uh, slot corner role. So yeah, it's, it's been a really solid secondary for Atlanta. I think they're fourth against the pass um, this season so far in, in terms of passing yards per game allowed. The big thing for them is that they got the pass rush going last week. That was against Washington, but they did have five sacks. Uh, which matched their season total heading into the week. I don't expect that against Tampa Bay. I, you know, I think Tampa's offensive line much better than Washington's, but this is the key matchup to me. And it, it's Tampa's offense against Atlanta's defense because Atlanta's defense has done a great job of keeping them in games, has allowed the offense to kind of find time through these slow starts and, and try to hang in there a little bit. But Mike Evans has always kind of had AJ Threll's number so if there's a week where I, I do worry about this past defense, maybe coming back down to earth, it is against Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, and Baker, who, you know, if he can buy time kind of in the backfield, let some things develop downfield. Opponents have had their opportunities against Atlanta's secondary. They just kind of haven't been able to take advantage, but I expect the Bucks to be able to do that. And if they can, then it could be a, a long day. One of the first long days of the season for Atlanta
1: um you spoke about third down and immediately when you did that um i thought of this past week because basically that that's why the buccaneers or maybe not exactly why but a big reason why the buccaneers lost to the, to the lions uh, a huge reason the Bucks defense simply couldn't get off the field on third down the Bucks offense couldn't stay on the field on third down so the Bucks offense against the lions was two for 12 on third down And the Lions offense was nine for 16. So when you mentioned, you know, about how Atlanta's uh, third down defense has been really good, I think that's an interesting thing to see. Like, is Tampa Bay's offense going to be able to rebound specifically on third down? Because if they're that bad again, I just don't see a way Tampa Bay wins this football game. Like, you can't go two, you know, two for 12 on third down and expect to win. Um, you're just you're, you're giving your defense uh, too much time on the field you're giving the other offense too many opportunities so the bugs are gonna have to be better on third down and i think it's gonna be a challenge i mean you know, with this atlanta defense how it has been and i'm very curious to see um i think third down because like i said it was a big key on, on uh on the, the past sunday uh really curious to see how it shapes out because whoever wins third down, I think we're gonna be looking at this and, and thinking that they probably won the football game.
2: That's exactly what I was gonna bring up and say. You know, part of the reason the Bucks offense was so successful when they were winning games in that three and one start was because of how effective they were on third down. Baker Mayfield statistically, even after the down week last week against Detroit is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL on third down. That, that is what Dave Canales and this Bucks offense has been able to do. And as an offense, you obviously don't want to find yourself on third and whatever, every single drive. Um, but if you do get to that point, it does help to know that you have a team that is effective at converting in that situation. So just like Evan said, and will you spoke to the strength of this Atlanta defense, especially on third down. I, I think this game is going to be won or lost on third down for both teams. Now, when we talk a little bit more about maybe the defensive philosophy for the Atlanta Falcons coming into this game, you know, as far as the Bucks and what they're looking to do on offense, they're not going to take nearly as many shots downfield as they did with the Bruce Arian-style offense and Tom Brady back when they had the playmakers at the wide receiver position. You still very much have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but Mike Evans, over 30 years old now, playing in year number 10, and he's he's not going to be that deep threat every single play anymore. He's just, he's just not. Um, so with that being said... The Bucs have said they're going to stay stubborn with the run. Now, if they do that, which unfortunately I think they might, um, what do you think the Falcons' philosophy is coming into this game against Tampa Bay? What do they see in this offense so far based off of what the Bucs have put on film this season? And uh, what do you think their game plan is?
0: Yeah, Atlanta's defense has changed um, schematically a decent amount under Ryan Nielsen and Jerry Gray, who they brought in uh, this offseason. And it, it does remind me a lot of New Orleans, right? When you look at how the the corners are lined up, they're going to be close to these wide receivers, kind of in a press man position, which is a big departure from a lot of the zone that they were playing under Dan Quinn. And even Dean Pease kind of mixed it up a, a little bit more. So they like to challenge opposing offenses and, and make life hard. Now, Baker Mayfield it is one of the veterans that the Falcons have faced. So far, so when you saw them playing as Sam Howell or a Bryce Young in his very first start, they were changing a lot of stuff post snap. I still expect that to be the case, um, but the run game is probably an effective way to attack this offense as long as you can stay patient with it, because if you do look at the stats. Atlanta has been a little bit worse against the run, but they've been getting better. A lot of those uh, numbers were pretty high in the first two weeks when you played Green Bay and you played Carolina. They were able to run the ball pretty effectively against Atlanta, and they've done a better job of of holding down opposing rushing attacks uh, in recent weeks. But there was something that Ryan Nielsen said in his introductory press conference that has just always been in the back of my mind when I think about this defense. Uh, And it's, you know, Arthur Smith. Wants versatility on both sides of the ball. We know what he can do offensively, right? We've seen the examples of versatility there. But defensively, the versatility is almost like schematic in a way where he wants to, first and foremost, design the defense to take away the pass. So he wants to take away the the opposing passing game with kind of the, the scheme first and foremost and say, okay, we're going to make it very hard on you just because we got enough dudes back there, or we're changing up looks post snap, or we're just kind of going to frustrate your passing game a little bit. And then they kind of allow the boots on the ground to handle the run game. Right. You may be in a disadvantageous situation when the ball is snapped to defend the run, but we trust that our guys are smart enough. We trust that our guys are, you know, quick enough, tough enough shed blocks can rally and make the tackle And I I think that you're seeing that approach be pretty sound and effective where they will get in trouble a little bit is when that run game does start to generate some effective yards. And the Falcons, when they, when the ball snapped, they kind of have these one gap, everybody's shooting a gap. They're filling it. If you can make one man miss, or if somebody overshoots a gap and they get blocked or what have you, you can get a six, seven yard run right off of that before the safety kind of comes down and and make that tackle. So we've seen the offenses that have success against Atlanta, Jacksonville, Detroit, they were able to run the ball first and then kind of use the pass to accompany that a little bit. So I think that is a path for success for Tampa Bay. If if they're able to get that ground game going and then allow, all right, Chris Godwin, there's a, you know, a mesh route that he takes 18 yards because he breaks a tackle. I think tackling is going to be a huge element for Atlanta's defense in this game. They've been decent so far, but every team could use some work. If they miss some tackles against Tampa Bay, again, I think it could be a long day for Atlanta's defense. Um, if, if the playmakers for Tampa are able to kind of get going there.
2: Well, lucky for Atlanta, the Buccaneers run game in particular, has. Had <laughs> I was just about some, to say, I don't has, think you have to worry about that. Has had, <laughs> has had some trouble picking up that effective yardage that you talk about. Um, but I did want to ask Evan, as we transition into some more talk about this offense Obviously, the Bucks' run game going to look to get going again this week. And you look at the rotation that the Falcons have. You said that they are improving while they did maybe get a little bit worse in run defense so far this season. They seem to be getting better week after week. But I look at that interior rotation. I look at guys who have been on this team, you know, Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata. And then I look at the addition of Calais Campbell, who just got sat, uh, career sack number 100, I believe, last week. So good for him. Um, Bud Dupree playing outside linebacker as well. You know, when these guys show up and run support, is it strong enough to where Evan, in your opinion, this can still be a bounce back game for the Bucks' run game, or do you think it's going to be more tough sledding and we ultimately see Baker Mayfield have to uh, give us a little bit of juice on the offensive side of the ball? Because I have no doubts that they're going to continue to try and run the ball, but do you think this is the week that they are able to figure out, uh, figure it out, Evan?
1: Well, yeah, you, you mentioned the word bounce back. Game. I mean, bounce back from, from, from what? I mean, bounce back from, from the entire season, basically. You know, it's it's been a slog um, the entire way so far. And, I mean, you know, it, it's not everybody wants to pin the blame on one person, right? Everybody wants to say, and people ask me, um, you know, about, oh, why is the run game this? And I just, like. It's more than one thing, right? And and to be this bad, it has to be more than one thing. So, yeah, it's the offensive line. Yeah, it's the running backs. Yeah, it's the play calling. So, I do think, you know, as Will mentioned there, um, there's going to be some opportunity. I mean, I think there's definitely going to be some opportunity now uh, playing against Detroit, one of the better run defenses in the league, uh, playing against Philly, the best run defense in the league. So, obviously, you're not going to get much there. But, like, even against teams like Minnesota and Chicago, and even like, you know, uh, uh, versus the saints, they didn't do a whole lot now against the bears. They did get over a hundred yards rushing, which I still find it hard to believe. It just didn't feel like it. It I really mean, thir- didn't feel like it.
2: 30 of those were from Baker. So let's not forget that. Th- yeah. Th- you know, that's <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's just, you know, the run game right now, it just, I don't know, man, I-, I-, I really don't like, it's hard to be worse than they were last year in 2022. Like, The Bucks' run game last year was basically non-existent to the point where they didn't even try, right? Like they they didn't even by week. By probably this time last, like last year, they basically gave up trying to run the ball. You get get
2: maybe eight to ten carries a game between Rashad White and Leonard Fournette, both on the team at the time.
1: Yeah, just there. There was there, there. There was nothing. There was nothing there. Now they're like statistically, I think they're they're worse this year so far. Like it, it's, it's hard to believe, but they are, uh, worse. And I mean, now they're getting more carries to Keyshawn Vaughn. So it's Sean Tucker sort of out of that rotation. They're clearly trying, they're, they're, they're trying their best, right? They're, they are trying their best to get something going. It's just not happening. So I do think that, you know, with Atlanta's, uh, weakness, potentially being the run defense. And like you said, Rhett, they're, they're definitely going to run the ball. Like, dave canales has made that clear and and also like that's yeah that's a good thing like that's that's the smart thing um because you can't throw the ball 50 times a game especially when you don't have tom brady anymore like asking baker mayfield to do that is a recipe for disaster in my opinion so uh i think they're gonna run the ball and they're gonna try to remain balanced and look like you know i wish i had the answer right To, to to your question basically but like all three of those things have to come together and just be better. Like the running backs have to see the field better. They have to make uh, more decisive uh, decisions with cuts and everything. The offensive line needs to open up the lanes for those running backs. And the play calling has to be less predictable. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons the run game suffers too. Everybody knows – like you can basically tell by formation, right? Like when the Buccaneers against the Eagles are backed up on their goal line and they run out uh, behind the center – right uh, underneath the center. And the only wide receiver on the field is Rakeem Jarrett. What do you think is going to happen there? So like, it's, it's pretty predictable. I think they could do a better job of that, but yeah, it, it feels like, you know, if the run game can't really get going this week, I, I think it's pretty much a lost cause.
2: Yeah. I think for the bucks offense to get back to their winning ways this week, everything that we had just talked about has to go right. But play calling was the last thing I was going to cover before we talk about the defense headed into this one. Dave Canales, he's got to show us that creativity we saw against New Orleans. You know, that was the most dynamic we've seen the offense this year. And it was obviously a breath of fresh air because they were coming off of a disappointing loss where it was probably his worst called game as OC against the Eagles. So he's going to look to bounce back. But I think the recipe for success maybe isn't even mixing up the run game, but just... Given Baker better looks, obviously the offensive line is going to need to block a little bit longer than they were able to last week against a ferocious pass rush in Detroit. But uh, something's got to give, and hopefully Dave Canales can come up with a game plan this week that doesn't leave them well, floundering like they were this it, yeah. time last week.
1: and also, this run game doesn't need to go for 150 yards. No, it doesn't. Like, like, it doesn't. You, you don't need that, but like, can you get over 60 Like, I mean, you know, it doesn't need to be spectacular. It just needs to be much better than it has
2: been. Will, I wanted to talk to you about the Atlanta Falcons offense coming into this one, and we just spent a lot of time talking about Baker Mayfield and how he's looking to come back, but I wanted to ask you about the quarterback position for you guys. Is Desmond Ritter looking like he's the guy? Because week in and week out, depending on who you ask, you know, they've either given up all hope or they're telling everybody to be a little bit more patient with this guy. Some weeks it looks like he has the tools in other weeks, it looks like everyone's ready to kick him off of the team. So what are your
0: thoughts so far on Desmond Ritter stepping up uh, in this Atlanta offense? It surprises me that you would ask about Desmond Ritter. Nobody here in Atlanta is talking about Desmond Ritter at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's <laughs> the number one topic uh, of conversation because, it, you know, with the defense playing as well as as it has, we saw last year what Atlanta's run game could do. And I think everybody just assumed that the run game would, would kind of pick up and keep right along the way it has been. That's not been the case. So I, there are some parts of the offense they're trying to figure out, but Desmond Ritter is the main part because he is the quarterback. And the last couple of weeks, he's shown some pretty nice growth, I think, as the offense itself has expanded. It was very, very clear against Detroit and against Jacksonville that we need to find you know another way to be able to move the ball when teams are just absolutely loading up the box to stop the run as pretty much every team has done this season playing Atlanta. The first two games you were able to get by with a couple of explosive passes, a couple of big plays through the air that ultimately complemented your run game. And the run game was more of a part of the passing game. And it has been so far this season than it was last year. But the Robinson is a big part of that when you can just kind of throw it to him in the flat and let him create in space. Uh, they didn't really have that element last year and they do now. But two games in a row, over 300 passing yards for Desmond Ritter. The only issue was this past week, three turnovers. And not only that, but on top of those three turnovers, he just looked kind of flustered in some of these bigger moments. The clock was a big issue. And, you know, a lot of people are putting that on Arthur Smith. A lot of people are putting that on Desmond Ritter. It, you know, it kind of doesn't matter who it is, they got to get it cleaned up. So the passing game has been a big point of emphasis, at least among the fan base this uh, this week, because you are starting to see it evolve and, and develop and not to the point where it's actively, I think, scaring opposing teams. And so that is the key is they need to figure out a way to truly get defenses to look at the balance that Atlanta's offense projects and say, okay, we need to be able to defend Drake London. And Kyle Pitts just as much as we need to be able to defend Bajan Robinson and Tyler Algier. They haven't yet found that type of chemistry, but I think when they do, it will really, really help Desmond Ritter overall. Like first and foremost, it will help the quarterback because he's just facing a lot of defenses, I think, right now, that expect what's coming. Or at least they're they're saying we're gonna make you play left-handed. We're gonna take away the run game. And now you got to beat us with Desmond Ritter and your passing attack. The last two weeks they've been able to move the ball. Before that, they haven't this week against tampa bay's defense uh, that to me is is huge like tampa's i know i just said tampa's offense uh, atlanta's defense but the the defensive showdown that this game is probably going to be it cannot be understated it, tampa's defense if they're able to generate a lot of pressure um, kind of knock these receivers off their routes early disrupt some of that timing i don't know if drake or if desmond Ritter has been the best at kind of creating out of um off script, you know, out of the, the play itself. So that's kind of the way that I think they could rattle Desmond Ritter, but from the Falcon side, they have said they love his toughness, his um, competitive nature, just kind of the intellect that he brings to this offense, which does have a lot of moving pieces. We've seen his hard count uh, or his hard snap, you know, develop a little bit the last couple of weeks as well. He got um, Houston to jump four different times during that game, which was, pretty big in the uh, the outcome. So it's a mixed bag. There's some growth, but just every time there's a little bit of growth, you have a game where it's like three interceptions. And that's kind of where the inconsistency is really held Atlanta's offense back. And by extension, the whole team back at times. And that is kind of the missing piece, I think for Desmond Ritter in this offense is just that consistency element. It'll be only his 11th start on Sunday. So it is still kind of early in his career, but a lot of people are saying, all right, you know, it's, it's not that early anymore. Now you got to start kind of showing us some more results and and lead this offense to putting up more points.
2: Taking a look at this Buccaneers defense, specifically the pass rush. That's been a big question mark these last couple of weeks, because while the Bucs did get a lot younger at defensive line, especially in that rotation in the interior, the production hasn't necessarily been there. You do have a defense that is played pretty well, good enough for this team to win a few games uh, that their offense could not win them. And Ultimately, they have forced a few turnovers, but getting after the quarterback, the sacks have not been there. They did get three sacks last week against Jared Goff, but it certainly didn't feel like it uh, because he had all day to throw otherwise. But when I look at this matchup, I do look at a pretty good offensive line in Atlanta, but I'm not sure... What's been going on with them early in the season? I know they have struggled a little bit, the offensive line in Atlanta. You got Jake Matthews at left tackle, Matthew Bergeron at left guard, I believe Drew Dalman at center, Chris Lindstrom at right guard, and Caleb McGarry at right tackle. In straight dropbacks, they were ranked pretty low headed into the season, but, I mean, they've had their moments. And again, you know, Jake Matthews is a talented left tackle, and they've been an okay unit, I guess, so far up until this season. But, for a questionable Buccaneers pass rush, who just got first round draft pick Kalijah Cansey back last week, I'm curious to see what that matchup is going to look like and, and who ultimately comes out on top. Evan, your thoughts on the the Bucks pass rush headed into this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been a concern for me. Um, now, you, just like you said, they had three sacks against the Lions. Sure didn't feel that way. Like it, it sure felt like Jared Goff. just every drop back, he was sitting there pretty much untouched. And a big reason was on the third downs, right? The third and longs, everybody was complaining about how many third and longs the Buccaneers defense gave up. And it's been an issue, but you know, a big reason why is because they haven't been able to get a pass rush on third down. And Todd Bowles has, I mean, we know how blitz happy he can be at times. He's really tried to refrain from blitzing, especially in that Detroit game. But it just didn't work. And it seemed like every time he did blitz, it didn't work. It was picked up. So um, a lot of these guys, Shaq Barrett, Joe Trashawinka, like they're not winning their one-on-one matchups. Even when a blitzer comes in like Antoine Winfield Jr. or Devin White or Levante David, they're not winning one-on-one matchups. I mean, Devin White has zero sacks so far. Like, zero. And that's and that's pretty surprising for how they use Devin White, the player Devin White is. So uh, in order for this pass rush to get going, they got to just – they got to, you know, it's, it's like the run game. I know it's going to sound simple, but, like, they got to play better. Like, Shaq Barrett's not a bad football player. Now he is coming off a major injury, right? And he's still maybe trying to get his feet a little wet at a really, really horrible offseason, um, you know, with, with his family and everything. But, you know, you just, you got to play better. You're better than that. You, you got to be able to win your one-on-one matchups there and, and pressure the quarterback, uh, even against New Orleans. Uh, the, before the bye week. I believe the Bucks had three sacks in that one. And again, it didn't really feel like it because it felt like Derek Carr a lot of the time had a good bit of time. And this Saints offensive line had struggled this year. So uh, in order for the Bucks pass rush to get going, I think Kalajic Canty will help. Uh, he was really good on Sunday. I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, he brings a nice interior pass rush, which really, I mean, besides Vita Vea, they've lacked in recent years. Uh, they've they lacked that other option on the interior. Uh, most of their sacks in the past few years have come from basically Shaq Barrett or a blitzing Devon White or Levante David. Uh, so it is it is nice to see Kalaji Zikansi in the interior there. But as far as this pass rush goes, I, I think it's as simple as he's got to figure out a way to, to beat these matchups because uh, – you know they're better than, than what they're playing right now and while the stats may not be awful right the, the numbers may not be awful the eye test doesn't back it up right now
2: yeah will your thoughts on atlanta's offensive line and just where they are coming into this game because it's, it's a bucks pass rush that they have the talent you know they have names that you know and some young guys hopefully looking to make some noise but it, it kind of a question mark is where they'll be where do you think the falcons o line is
0: I think in a very similar spot, right? It's names that, you know, you just went down the list. Jake Matthews been in the NFC South his entire career for a very long time, right? Kayla McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, they're now on second contracts. And so the continuity is nice for Atlanta. I think they are part of the mix of just this offense. It's something that Arthur Smith has said all off season is he wants the offense to move closer to the realm of balance. Last year, given the offseason and the departure of Matt Ryan bringing in Marcus Mariota, you did get the sense that they really did change up their offense. They went so different from the way that the majority of the league is going offensively. And they really just said, hey, we know we can do one thing. Well, it's not going to win us the Super Bowl. But, you know, just like a restaurant that's in jeopardy of going under, they're like, we can serve one dish that is just a Hall of Fame dish that we can just get out there Every single night, we'll do okay. That was basically the, the Falcons' offensive approach is we got a running quarterback. We've got you know some running backs that can work. We've got an offensive line that runs really well, this outside zone scheme. So let's focus on that. This year, as they're trying to bring in more of a passing element, bring in more of a drop-back element, spread these guys out a little bit. Last year, Kyle Pitts was in line as a tight end a lot, not running a lot of routes. That's part of the reason everybody was so frustrated in fantasy but it speaks to the way Atlanta's offense was working last year. They were first and foremost focused on the run this year. Not so much. And and I think you're seeing the offensive line struggle a little bit, or at least come back to the pack um, in that sense. And I'm I'm looking at some numbers on PFF right now in terms of pressures allowed Atlanta's played some really good defensive lines. So I want to make that clear first. (laughs) They've played Washington this past week. They played green Bay. They played Carolina. They've played some, some really good you know, Detroit, uh, Jacksonville. These are solid defensive fronts, but they, they've they been getting touched up, right? Jake Matthews has allowed four sacks already. That's as many through six games as I can really ever remember him having. He's given up 14 pressures. You look at Matthew Bergeron, who's a rookie. He's given up 12 pressures. Du- Drew Dahlman, the center, who I feel like is having a pretty good season um, so far, 13 pressures. So you can get pressure on Desmond Ritter. The key is his mobility is, is nice. The Falcons have found nice ways to get the ball out quickly against good defensive lines. For instance, this past week against Washington, a lot of these quick slants uh, throws out of the backfield to Bajan Robinson or Tyler Algier um, quick outbreaking routes, things like that, the the difficulty comes when teams know that you have to kind of do that. And that's where they need the offensive line to be able to step up and, and hold hunker down for longer to allow these downfield passing concepts to develop a little bit more, but Washington especially knew that the Falcons were going to try to get the ball out quick. And they sat on a lot of these routes and and you look at the three turnovers, two of them were pretty, you know, easy interceptions. Actually, all three were pretty easy interceptions, but two of them were just, hey, we're sitting on the inside route. We're right here, boom, jumping around and making a play. I think Tampa is probably going to be looking at that game tape saying, okay, you know, even though their pass rush has not been getting home to the level it has in the past. The dudes are still there. They're still the familiar faces. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been effective when he has blitzed. I think that could be a little bit of an X factor in this game is a well-timed blitz on a third down or in the red zone or something like that could maybe swing it. Um, The offensive line is improving. It's not been as bad, I think, as people want to make it out to be. It's just not as strong as it was last year. And that's pretty much the Atlanta offense in a nutshell is there's some parts that work. There's some parts that don't, but they're in the process of figuring it out, and whether or not they do, ultimately, I think will determine how the season shapes up. Before we wrap right, this thing, up, so, sorry, Evan. Go yeah, ahead.
2: but before we wrap up,
1: I, I had a two parter. I had a two parter here. Uh, don't mean to put you on the spot, Will, but I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> What is, in your in your mind, uh, what is the one matchup? Now, you talked about being an X factor, right? What is the one matchup in your mind that you're looking at that you think is going to be a pretty big X factor in, in who wins this game? You know, is it you know something to where, yeah, if the Bucs win this matchup, they're probably going to win the game. Like, if, when you look at this matchup, what is the one area that you're looking and you're like, yeah, this is a pretty big one? And then also, uh, really quick, just speak of, you know, how B. John Robinson uh, has changed that offense because quite frankly, he terrifies me um, <laughs> and not going to lie. He just, he has buck killer written all over him. Uh, just a, a guy who for the next 10 years is just going to do ridiculous things to the Bucks' defense. And they're not going to be able to do much about it. So uh, those, those are my two questions there. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I love to be put on the spot. Um, and I am prepared for, for both of these. So Vita Vea. Is I you know, I know you mentioned the injury report. I know he was kind of on the injury report um earlier this week, but if he's able to play, and it it looks like you know, maybe he will, he is somebody I mentioned Drew Dolman, I mentioned Matthew Bergeron. If if he is able to kind of really create some interior disruption for Atlanta, then I think you see their passing game could could struggle. They a lot of the pressure they face has come on the edge. I think Desmond Ritter has done a decent job of staying in the pocket. He does have nice mobility. But when you've got, you know, Levante David, Devin White, if he is even able to break, contain, and kind of get away from Vita Vea, those guys, Antoine Winfield as well, like they're able to probably chase him down and, and limit the yardage there. So I think that Vita Vea is the, the guy who could really wreck this game for Atlanta if he is just on one. Um, and now I, I think they would probably try to keep him away from Chris Lindstrom because that would be good on good. So I, I would look at, Drew Dahlman and and Matthew Bergeron getting a lot of Vita Vea in this game. Um, And and that's the one that scares me. I mentioned another one earlier, but Mike Evans against AJ Terrell. I know that kind of the Baker Mike Evans connection wasn't there last week, but historically uh, AJ Terrell has done pretty well against a lot of receivers. Mike Evans is somebody who's always given him a hard time. I I think back to even their first matchup, uh, his rookie year. And the thing with AJ Terrell is he was always in position. He just couldn't make the play on the ball. He would give up a lot of really contested catches. And I think it was against Tampa Bay when I really first noticed that. And I was like, he is right there on Mike Evans. He's just getting boxed out left and right. And he's just, Mike Evans is just making great catch after great catch. If that happens uh, on Sunday and it is a tight game and, you know, Baker's able to kind of throw one up there and Mike Evans comes down with it at the 24 yard line and it's late in the game and they move in field, like that type of matchup I could see coming back to haunt Atlanta in a big moment. Um, But now to flip to to Bajan a little bit and and Evan, you mentioned earlier how he's changed the complexion of Atlanta's offense. I I don't know if he's done that in its entirety, but what he has done is this team was like a basketball team with a bunch of spot up shooters. And now he is somebody who can create off the dribble and the Falcons didn't really have that the last couple of years. So their ability to get the ball to Bajan in space or, you know, just run a quick toss and get him behind Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom, um, you know, running around the corner. He is good enough to make one or two defenders miss on his own. He's good enough to, if you give him an alley, he'll make, you know, one cut, get by the safety, lower shoulder, get through a linebacker and take what could be a six yard gain and turn it into a nine yard gain. And now it's second and one. And so that element of this offense is what has helped them start to really string some drives together. I think they're, figuring out the right way to mix him into the offense. It, it's something that Arthur Smith talked about this week with, you know, just looking at what they're asking each player to do. What can they do? What can they do? 85% but Hey, we, we want you to be hundred percent on this before we really ask it of you in a game. Maybe that goes to some of the operational errors and miscues they had last week. Guys who just weren't 100% on what they uh, needed to do on a given play had to ask in a huddle that slows things down, whatnot. So he is just a rare athlete. I, I hope he is tormenting the Bucs for the next decade. Uh, you never know with running backs, which is is hard. But they are kind of using him in interesting ways with that in mind. I don't think they're just going to give him the ball 25 times. You're still going to see a lot of Tyler Algier. He's going to get his touches. They're just smart in how they get him those touches. And they're usually out on the perimeter where he can limit some of the damage to his body. So again, I could have said Antoine Winfield against Bajan is like one of the matchups in this game because i I think it will be and it's going to be a lot of fun to see but i'm just i'm i feel like a a proud parent who's like i just can't wait for you guys to see how much fun Bijan is because whether you're on the other team or not like he's just he brings a smile to your face with the way that he runs football because it is such a throwback style with kind of a new twist on it and yeah it really is just like a madden player come to life it's so cool you
2: have any interest in uh trying some of that Bijan dijon
0: I I, I I have. I, I actually have. Yeah. I thought it was a it's,
2: joke. like I, I thought it was a rib at first. <laughs> I thought it was a fake website and they just sell merchandise there. But no, they actually sell uh, even yeah. game branded one of one jars of Bijan Dijon mustard <laughs> for like, I think, $150. bucks he will give you a custom autograph and he'll write his stat line for the game that week on the jar. And That's ship amazing. It off to you. It's one of a kind. And, and I think this year is going to be the year to do it. Especially the rookie season that he's having so far, he's going to be really good for a really long time. I get the feeling. All right, one more player on the offense I wanted to ask you about, and this is just because of the comparisons that I have made to some of the Bucks' tight ends we have seen in the past. That is Kyle Pitts. Uh, your thoughts on him and what his future projections look like, whether it's with Atlanta or not? Because I will say, at least the, uh, so far this season, Atlanta's done a pretty good job of trying to get him involved in that offense. He's got at least two catches every game this season four catches last week seven catches the, the the week before uh you know so some of the people who drafted him in fantasy and have been disappointed can breathe a little bit easier but for a long time I looked at Kyle Pitts and I looked at his inability to get involved in that offense and with all the talent that he has, I, I saw OJ Howard 2.0 and I really hmm. don't want that for Kyle Pitts he's a very talented player and it does seem like he's getting his reps so far this season. But what do you think? Do you think his future is in Atlanta, or do you think he's one of those guys that that could
0: potentially fizzle out? I love the way that you frame that question because it, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot this season. Right? Is when when a new regime comes in, it's very easy to say, "All right, we're cleaning house. We're getting rid of these guys." Uh, the the last the previous people, the previous tenants, they were too close to the guys they drafted. They held on them for too long, and I feel like that was probably true with with Terry or with a. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, but now the Falcons are going to have to make some of those decisions themselves. You know, they're they're going to have to get to a Kyle Pitts uh, fifth year option and and kind of say, okay, well, what what is he in this offense? The talent is is still apparent, right? You still see him. He's deceptively fast, right? So when you watch him on your TV screen, he doesn't move like he's you know running twenty miles an hour but that's because of how big he is. It's like watching a big man on a basketball court just cover the the court in like four steps. And you're like, how did he didn't even look like he was, like he's jogging, right? But he's just down at the net already. That's kind of Kyle Pitts. He's been banged up uh, throughout the season, or at least that's kind of what the team is saying, whether that's an excuse for the slow starter or whether that's true. He was coming off of a season ending knee injury. So there may be the lingering just, getting right getting back to 100% could be some of what's ailing him so far. These last 2 weeks he's gotten back on track in a better way. He had his first touchdown of the season. I think it's just his like third of his career which is insane. Um this past week against Washington, the week before that against Houston, he caught 7 passes for 87 yards. So you're starting to see signs of life for Kyle Pitts. I think the biggest issue for him hasn't been him it's been Atlanta's passing offense overall and this is an offense where if you take away options one two and three they're very comfortable going to options like six and seven right it's the Kyle Shanahan with Levine Toy Lolo and this player that you you're like who who is this guy was even on the team why is he catching a touchdown pass that's kind of how the Falcons like to spread the ball around and and get guys like Michael Pruitt or last year, Demir bird or Kaderil Hodge players you've never heard of really. They're going to be the ones catching passes, which is frustrating to both Falcons fans and fantasy football owners alike, but it's worked at times for Atlanta's offense. I think you're going to start to see them as they branch out their passing game a little bit more. Kyle Pitts is going to come along in the second half of the year. We're already seeing Drake London, Come along, Johnu Smith. So you're going to see Atlanta's receivers, I think, start to have a bigger impact on the season as it continues to roll along because of the way they're expanding the passing game. But there's no question in my mind. Kyle Pitts, to this point, has not performed the way everybody was expecting when he was the number four overall pick uh, that first year for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. That doesn't mean that he can't become that player because he still looks like that guy that we saw coming out of Florida. It just hasn't manifested itself uh, in the NFL for one reason or another, but you're right to bring up OJ Howard to bring up, you know, there's a lot of tight ends throughout the, the league and throughout the league's history, Kellen Winslow jr. Right. Who have maybe a breakout season or look like they're the next great thing at tight end and kind of don't ever repeat that for one reason or another. So it's a tricky position to figure out and they're still trying to figure it out with, uh, with Kyle Pitts, but things are trending in the right direction.
2: Yeah, well if they're looking to get him involved this week, uh, all they got to wait for is the Bucks to roll out that soft zone coverage they have been playing especially late in the game. Last week against Detroit, whenever they could not get off of the field because holy hell, does it open a lot of things up, especially when you get a pass rush that cannot get there. But both teams looking to bounce back this week and we are ready for an exciting NFC South matchup. A tight division, the Bucks at 3 and 2, the Atlanta Falcons at 3 and 3. The winner of this game will be your leader of the NFC South division for at least the next week or so. Let's get to some score predictions. I I will put mine out there first. I was actually talking to your buddy uh, Kevin Knight from the Falcoholic on our Mm -hmm. show yesterday, and I will stick with my same score prediction. I think it's a lower scoring game. We talked about the importance of third down, and we talked about the importance of both of these defense coming into this one and I think it's going to pay dividends. I do think it won't be as exciting of an offensive game. I do think there's going to be a couple of crucial third downs that both teams are going to want back and could potentially stall out a scoring drive. But I am taking the Bucks to win it in a close game. I think the last team with the ball will win. 24-21 to 21 is my final score. Evan, what is your score prediction?
1: Yeah, so you're right. I mean, this game is massive ju- just massive I, I mean for more ways than one too uh not just the NFC south right the NFC south component but um if the Bucks drop this game you're going to be looking at back-to-back losses and you're heading to buffalo to play the bills on a short week on the road um could be staring down the barrel of three straight losses and then you're looking at this season maybe starting to go off the rails right you lose you lose to atlanta you lose to buffalo all of a sudden you're under 500 for the first time this season and things aren't looking so hot. So I do think the Buccaneers need to win this game. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Falcons really need this win too, right? Like They're they're, they're coming off a, a tough loss against Washington. So uh, I think both teams are going to be pretty desperate for a W. I do like that this game is in Tampa. Uh, if this game was in Atlanta, I'm not entirely sure how the Bucs would fare. I think the Bucks' defense just feels more comfortable at home. Uh, I also look at you know, Desmond Ritter. He throw, he's thrown six interceptions so far this season, three last week. I think there's going to be some opportunities for turnovers. The Bucks' defense has really been really good at forcing turnovers so far this season. Did not have a single turnover last week against Detroit, though. So I do think that's a big key. Uh, and I do think, ultimately, I think the Bucks come out on top here. I do think it's a bit higher scoring th- than you had it, but I have a very, very similar score. Uh, I have the Buccaneers winning 27-21. to 21. Uh, I think it's going to be a c- close, tough game, uh, but I do think the Buccaneers just edged this one out. I, I think if, if what we've seen from Baker Mayfield so far, and I know the inconsistencies of his career, but I'm expecting a bounce-back game from Baker Mayfield here, um, so I do think the Buccaneers come out on top in this one.
0: I think, um, you know, to be the contrarian on this and, and shocker, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take the road team, uh, in this one, but we're all pretty much aligned with, I think this is going to be a defensive battle. I think situational football is probably going to be key in this one. Third down favors the Falcons, the red zone favors Tampa Bay. So the, it's going to be, I, I really just don't see a way in which this is like a 32 to three game in, in either direction. It just, doesn't feel like one of those matchups. I I don't even know, frankly, if this is a score possibility. I, I haven't. You know, it's been my answer for every podcast I've done this week. So I should probably look into this, but I'm going to say 23 to 19 Atlanta. I think it's just going to be one of these weird games. Maybe there's a missed extra point in there somewhere. Maybe there's a bunch of field goals for either team, but you'll get one of these weird odd scores um, that is indicative of kind of a weird odd matchup. But to y'all's point, this is a huge game. For both teams. I think this is one of the pivotal games of the 2023 season uh, for both the Falcons and the Bucks and the NFC South and just the landscape of, of kind of the NFC playoff picture, because if Atlanta wins, yeah, they're in first place. They're feeling better. They've been inconsistent. They've been up and down. But like I said, the passing game's improving. You're seeing signs of growth. And maybe this is a step in the right direction. If they lose, you're three and four, you're, you're kind of in the same spot. You've been the last two years when you finished seven and 10, nobody really feels confident about your quarterback. And then you can look at Tampa and and it's kind of like the same deal, right? You've got that Thursday night game against Buffalo. You don't feel great about, although weird things happen in this league all the time. Um, But it's just neither team wants to lose this one, not just because of the division implications, but because of just the way that you feel like you're trending at that point, if you drop two in a row. So I'll, I'll say Atlanta on the road. Ah, uh, because it's a division game. Because I feel like they have to really be locked in after letting one slip away last week. Um, I, I like them in a in a weird, funky game. But what else are we going to expect between these two teams?
2: Exactly, critical time of the season to find momentum. But all of these teams looking to finish in a highly competitive NFC South. I, I think it's really going to come down to the wire, just like it has in previous seasons. But ladies and gentlemen. That's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon fire podcast. Very special. Thank you to our guest, Will McFadden from the believe in Falcons podcast. He's also a writer for the Falcoholic. Will, where can people find you on social media and all of your awesome content?
0: Yeah. Um, you guys can check me out on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, you just mentioned the Falcoholic believe in Falcons. We've got a YouTube channel. So believe in Falcons on YouTube. If, if you like to watch, uh, content like you're watching us right now. So, uh, check that out, but you, you pretty much covered it, right? Uh, I thank you guys so much for having me on. This was a blast. I, I love to get a perspective from the opposing team and you guys definitely delivered. Absolutely. Great talking ball with you today.
2: You can follow my co-host on social media, f- Instagram. Let me start that over. You can follow our <laughs> podcast on
0: social media,
2: <laughs> these outros. Sometimes it's autopilot and then sometimes I really have to work my way through it. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and X slash Twitter at Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucs news as it happens, you can follow my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers news page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And check out his written work at bucksnation.com. Evan, what have you got in the hopper this week?
1: Yeah, I actually have uh, the Q&A scheduled for, uh, with, 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 with uh, Kevin Knight, of the alcoholic. So uh, I'm excited for that to be out. And also my X Factor for this game. So I uh, took a little bit of a break from that. We're back with the X Factors, though. So not sure if that'll be out today or tomorrow, but it will be out before the game. So keep an eye on BuckStation.com for that.
2: Cannot wait. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T, AKUS, if you follow me, I will follow you back. Thank you once again to Will McFadden from the Believe in Falcons podcast for joining us. Just another great podcast under the umbrella of the Believe Podcast Network. We will talk to you guys Sunday following the game. Win, lose, or draw. will be live right here, youtube.com forward slash cannon fire Podcast, taking some of your phone calls. So uh, do not miss it. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our very special guest, Will McFadden. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks! For the ones who work hard to ensure
1: their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts.